Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Chronicles chapter 7 from the World English Bible. Of the sons of Issachar, Tola and Pua, Jashub and Shimron, four. The sons of Tola, Uzi, Rephariah, Jerael, Jemei, Ibsam, and Shemuel, heads of their fathers' houses of Tola, mighty men of valor in their generations. Their number in the days of David was 22,600. The sons of Uzi, Israiah. The sons of Israiah, Michael, Obadiah, Joel, and Ishaiah, five, all of them chief men. With them, by their generations, after their fathers' houses, were bands of the army for war, 36,000, for they had many wives and sons. Their brothers, among all the families of Issachar, mighty men of valor, listed in all by genealogy, were 87,000. The sons of Benjamin, Bela, Becher, and Jedeel, three. The sons of Bela, Esbon, Uzi, Uzael, Jeremoth, and Eri, five. Heads of fathers' houses, mighty men of valor, and they were listed by genealogy, 22,034. The sons of Becher, Zamira, Joash, Eliezer, Elionei, Omri, Jeremoth, Abijah, Anathoth, and Alameth. All these were the sons of Becher. They were listed by genealogy after their generations, heads of their fathers' houses, mighty men of valor, 22,200. The son of Jedael, Bilhan. The sons of Bilhan, Jeush, Benjamin, Ehud, Chana'ana, Zethan, Tarshish, and Ahishahar. All these were sons of Jediael, according to the heads of their father's households, mighty men of valor, 17,200, who were able to go out in the army for war. So were Shupim, Hupim, the sons of Ir, Hushim, and the sons of Aher. The sons of Naphtali, Jazael, Guni, Jezer, Shalom, and the sons of Bilhah. The sons of Manasseh, Azrael, whom his concubine the Aramitess bore. She bore Maker, the father of Gilead. Maker took a wife of Hupim and Shupim, whose sister's name was Maacah. The name of the second was Zelophehad, and Zelophehad had daughters. Maacah, the wife of Maker, bore a son, and she named him Perish. The name of his brother was Sherish, and his sons were Ulam and Rechem. The sons of Ulam, Badan. These were the sons of Gilead, the son of Maker, the son of Manasseh. His sister, Hamoliketh, bore Ishhad, Abiezer, and Mala. The sons of Shemidah were Ahian, Shechem, Lichai, and Aniam. The sons of Ephraim, Shuthalah, Barad his son, Tehath his son, Eliada his son, Tehath his son, Zabad his son, 
Shulatha his son, Ezer, and Eliad, whom the men of Gath who were born in the land killed, because they came down to take away their livestock. Ephraim their father mourned many days, and his brothers came to comfort him. He went into his wife, and she conceived and bore a son, and he named him Beriah, because there was trouble with his house. His daughter was Shiera, who built Beth-horon the lower, and the upper, and uzan Repha was his son, and Resheph, and Tela his son, Tehan his son, Ladan his son, Amihud his son, Elishama his son, Nun his son, and Joshua his son. Their possessions and settlements were Bethel and its towns, and eastward Naaran and westward Gezer with its towns. Shechem also and its towns, to Aza and its towns, and by the borders of the children of Manasseh, Beth Shean and its towns, to Anak and its towns, Megiddo and its towns, and Dor and its towns. The children of Joseph, the son of Israel, lived in these. The sons of Asher, Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, and Bariah. Sarah was their sister. The sons of Bariah, Heber, and Malkiel, who was the father of Beersaith. Heber became the father of Japhlet, Shomer, Hotham, and Shua, their sister. The sons of Japhlet, Pesach, Bimhal, and Ashbath. These are the children of Japhlet. The sons of Shemer, Ahai, Rogah, Jehubah, and Aram. The sons of Helam, his brother, Zophah, Imna, Shelesh, and Amal. The sons of Zophah, Shua, Harnifer, Shual, Beri, Imra, Bezer, Had, Shama, Shilsha, Ithran, and Biera. The sons of Jether, Jephunah, Hispah, and Ara. The sons of Ula, Ara, Hanael, and Riziah. All these were the children of Asher, heads of the fathers' houses, choice and mighty men of valor, chief of the princes. The number of them listed by genealogy for service in war was 26,000 men. That is the end of chapter 7. Let me tell you how I approached digging into this chapter, this particular approach being developed by previously trying to understand the genealogies and things in the first previous chapters of First Chronicles here. First, I read the chapter through completely. Next, I read through again, making some family trees, though it's not always clear to me exactly how to do this because of things like son, sometimes meaning descendant, and sentence structure being complicated. But I'll take a couple of pictures of what I did just as part of my process of beginning to try to make sense of this. Three, I looked up cross-references for the chapter using my New King James Version Bible that has those in abundance. Four, I read through commentaries by David Gusick, Matthew Henry, and Jameson Fawcett and Brown on the blueletterbible.org. David Gusick's and Jameson Fawcett and Brown in particular were pretty short, and I was really disappointed that they didn't discuss the passages in comparison with other places in the Bible that have similar information genealogically. Then in five, I read through Young's literal translation and the NIV in this chapter, for this chapter. Those are kind of two extremes of translation approaches, Young's literal translation being more 
towards word-for-word translation, while the NIV leans more towards a common English usage structuring, trying to present meaning. Then sixth, I compared information in passages in the Bible, especially using Genesis chapter 46, which is where we get the account of who went into Egypt with Jacob after two years of the famine, and then also in Numbers 26, which is when Moses was told by God to take a census. And this is happening. The census occurs pretty much, or I should say, not too long before they start conquering Canaan, and it's after Aaron dies. So a lot more people have been born. And then also, I looked ahead a little bit because of the cross-references to First Chronicles chapter 8, where the tribe of Benjamin comes up again. Also, there were various references in Joshua that are mentioning some of these people and places. So now let me comment on one thing that all the commentaries did point out, and that is that neither Dan nor Zebulun neither of those tribes are listed in these chapters in First Chronicles. Now, if you go back and review, you can see that chapter 4, verse 1 is where the tribe of Judah is talked about. Um, chapter 4, verse 24, we hear about the tribe of Simeon. Chapter 5, verse 1, Reuben. Verse 2 is Gad. Verse 23 talks about the first half tribe of Manasseh. Then in chapter 6, it's all about Levi. And then it's here in chapter 7 that we have um, talking about the genealogies of Issachar, Benjamin, Naphtali, the other half of the tribe of Manasseh, and Ephraim and Asher. But curiously, as I learned to recognize because Chuck Missler pointed it out, the listing of tribes always adds up to 12 groupings of some sort. Now, here in particular, the thought is that Dan is considered abhorrent due to events in Judges 8 and the incident with Micah and the idols. And also, Dan is the one tribe who is omitted from the list of tribes in Revelation 7. But the omission of Zebulun here is more of a mystery. Now, when going through the names in the genealogies, we come up against some common um, things that make it more difficult for us as English speakers, maybe. We have the various transliterations and people being referred to by more than one name, but also that the listings, the particular names in a given list, are affected by the time period in which they are made. For instance, the lists in Genesis 46 only include those who were born at that time. This was most apparent to me when looking at descendants of Benjamin. Remember, he was the youngest son, so some of his direct sons were likely not born yet when they entered Egypt. And since the ages of Jacob, Joseph, and Levi indicate that at this point in history, men were still having children at older ages, it's very likely that Benjamin had more children after that. Also recall, Jacob was having his first sons well into his 80s. Understanding the genealogies is also complicated because the lists are not clear about exact father-to-son lineage. So the list in Genesis 46 includes at least four generations, but then places like verse 21 that we have um, the names Hoopam and Mupam, but Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown say that this is a plural rendition of Hebrew and so might be referring to groups. And variations of these names are also used in 1 Chronicles 7.12, the chapter that we're talking about today. 
When it comes to the numbers of men that are listed, one commentator who was quoted by David Gusick questions the translation of thousands, much like some detractors. Yeah, I know I'm loading the presentation here by calling them detractors. But anyhow, some biblical skeptics try to say there is no way that the numbers listed at the Exodus were real, that they were ridiculously high and unrealistic. But a little bit of biblically-based family tree math shows how fast a population can grow. Here also, right off, it's talking about generations, so you get the idea that it's talking about groups of people, clearly showing the same multiplication is in view. Young's literal translation does keep the designation of thousands, and the idea of overgeneralizations of the numbers is countered with verse 7 of 1 Chronicles 7, where it gives an exact number of 22,034. The numbers given are a mixed lot. In verse 2, it refers to a count in the time of David, and that there makes sense that it would be high as well. But this can't be the census that David got punished for, because when you look ahead to 1 Chronicles 27, 24, it says that those numbers were not recorded. Getting down to comparing some specifics, the sons of Issachar are the same as listed in Genesis 46. The list for Benjamin is much longer in Genesis 46, but comparison to 1 Chronicles 7 and Numbers 26 suggests that he actually already had some grandchildren, for example, Ard. Um, And if they had children over a longer portion of life, it makes perfect sense that he could still be having children as his older children are also having children. And the genealogies constantly give examples of some families being more prolific than others. However, also recall the sad story about the tribe of Benjamin in Judges 20, where the tribe of Benjamin was nearly wiped out. It is possible that some lines were cut off at that point, so aren't followed in further lists. One way the 12 tribes is maintained here is that the two half-tribes of Manasseh are listed separately. So again, just a reminder that the list of Manasseh here is should be put together with the first half that was talked about in chapter 5. Interestingly, while the males are how the genealogy is tracked, and there are basic biological reasons why this is the most reliable plan for ch- tracking genealogies, there are quite a few wives and daughters mentioned. Sometimes no reason is given, such as in verse 15, we have Ma'aka. But in verse 24, we are given the name of a daughter, which could also be translated descendant, of Ephraim, who was quite the city builder. And apparently she was in the generation that entered Canaan to conquer because of the cities being there. And then as far as other women, there is verse 18, where only the mother, and the name is really a mouthful, Hamoleketh, is listed as the parent of several sons. As this was a particular deviation, I checked Young's literal translation and the NIV just to get an idea of how consistently this was translated this way, and they both list the sister and her sons. The narrative that we get in verses 21 through 23 is the only vignette we get in this section. Matthew Henry reads it that the complete list of descendants of Ephraim up to that point were killed by the men from Gath. And again, whether or not they were all exactly sons or whether they were generations one after the other is unclear. 
Since there are no sons of Ephraim given in Genesis 46, there is no help there. However, in Numbers 26, 35 through 37, it mentions that Ephraim's descendants include descendants of Shuthalah and Barad, which apparently can also be rendered Becker, which is very likely well after Ephraim's death. And I'll tell you in a minute how I calculated that. But at least these lines weren't completely obliterated, even if those particular sons were killed. The NIV translation and the RSV translation organize the words so that it seems like only Ezer and Eliad were killed. And either seems plausible. It would not be unusual for all the grown men to engage to protect the livestock from invaders. And the wording does seem to say that the aggressors were the men of Gath, especially since the Israelites were the shepherds in Egypt at that point. So let me tell you how I came up with Ephraim's approximate age. We know from Genesis 41:46 that Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh and then was given his position there. And then in Genesis 41:50 it says that Joseph's sons were born before the years of famine came. Ephraim was the second born, so he probably was no older than seven years old when Jacob and the rest of the family came to Egypt, because if Joseph got married soon after he became uh, the second in command and Manasseh was born the first year, Ephraim the second, so he probably wasn't born before Joseph was 32 years old. So if we use that number of 32 years old when um, for Joseph, when Ephraim was born, then we can calculate 110 minus 32, 110 being the age when Joseph died, so that Ephraim would have been 78 years old when Joseph died. Now, if you use the other ages and the timeline on the chart that I linked to when talking about Acts 7, you know that there was 64 years between the death of Joseph and the birth of Moses. If Ephraim lived that long, that would have made him 142 years. That's not outside the realm of possibility because we know from Exodus 6.16 that Levi died when he was 137 years old. But it also means that Ephraim probably died either not too long before the birth of Moses or not too long after. He didn't live another 120 years, which would have been the lifespan of Moses, to get to the Exodus. And the story says that he had another son. So this whole thing had to take place when they were in Egypt still, even though it does go on in verse 24 to specifically mention his daughter, who built lower and upper Beth Horon and Uzan Shira. In First Chronicles chapter 7, there are a few names that seem to be mentioned under a tribe without giving direct lineage. The main point here seemed to be clarifying who is in various tribes and who is Jewish. Giving the direct lineage is not crucial here like it is in the line of Christ. And see verse 12 with Hushim and Aher, and also verses 38 and 39 with Ula and Jether as possible examples of that, unless I misunderstood something. So with this, chapter 7, we have the required genealogical information of the time, the time when it was written, which, as we mentioned, was probably by Ezra. And next, we'll move on to specifics about kings and priests, and then some temple-centered history. But 
Before I go, let me emphasize one more time that the giving of these names strongly supports these as true historical documents. If somebody was just telling stories, it is unlikely they would make up lists of names like this. And also, as shown in the chart that I was referencing and the little bit of tying things in I've done, if you go to different places in the Bible that mention similar things, you can find connections that open up an understanding of what was going on at the time. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 